Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as, ta- just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. I don't think I'm, in general, very prone to becoming starstruck. Uh, you know, fame doesn't impress me too much, but I'm, I'm not totally above, you know, getting a little bit excited when I meet somebody that I look up to. Uh, a few years ago, no, many years ago, before I was a priest, actually, I got a chance to meet, well, I got a chance to shake Pope Benedict's hand and kiss his ring. And when I was walking away, my hand was actually trembling. I was so, I don't know, excited, nervous. Uh, something. It was just something, it it, it was this sense that I had come so personally close to this man who's at the heart of the church, right? This man who had written these books that have, uh, that I studied in seminary and have so formed my, uh, my intellectual and spiritual life. And to actually see him and touch him uh, was kind of an overwhelming experience. Uh, On a much, much smaller scale, a few years ago, I saw Vince Vaughn at a restaurant and he... (laughs) I said much smaller, uh, but he looked me in the eye and said, hey, brother, how's it going? And I still tell that story to this day. I'm telling it right now. Uh, But every once in a while, I'll think about these things, these various times in my life where I've sort of come in contact with somebody who maybe is a big shot or somebody's really important. And I have this sense of when when, when that happens, you have... you know, there's this surreal sense that, you know, this person who has, you know, always seemed sort of like bigger than life, now I've had this personal contact with him. It's a surreal experience. But every once in a while, I'll think about that surreal experience and then think how easily I take for granted that the Lord of the universe, right, the one at whose name every knee bows, places himself on my tongue in the Eucharist every Sunday. And then I'm reminded of how small my faith actually is. But the truth is, that's, uh, it's hard for us to see those things in the same light because 
you know, we're so limited. Our knowledge is so limited by what we can sort of experience with the senses. And so we take, uh, sometimes we take God for granted, but we really shouldn't. And we really should remind ourselves to take a step back every once in a while and realize how amazing it is that God is so close to us. Now, I, I personally am much more intellectually comfortable with the idea of a God who is very far away, who sort of stays out of my business, but who is going to hold me accountable for my actions, right? Who's going to make sure that the good are rewarded and the, you know, the bad are punished, who's going to uphold justice. I'm very intellectually comfortable with that idea. I've become much less, I don't know why, maybe it's pride, maybe it's a sense that it's too good to be true. I become much less comfortable with the idea of a God who is very, very close to me. A God who's intimately concerned with my life. A God who hears my prayers and answers them. And yet, we have such a God and he reveals himself to us as such a God. The Lord of the universe has revealed himself to us as a father who loves us, who cares for us, who knows us, who provides for us, who answers our prayers, who wants to give us good things, who will stop at nothing to draw us closer to himself, who will stop at nothing uh, to save us. Now we all know, this, the, the remarkable thing is we all know how to use our connections in life, right? Like if you know the pastor, you know, we know there's certain situations like, I got Father Steve, I'm, I'm gonna call him up, I'm, I'm gonna get this taken care of, right? Or you, like you know the guy who can get you son's tickets or something like that, right? We, we know how to use our connections in life. Brothers and sisters, God, like you've got a guy, right? You've got a guy in heaven. God is your guy. The God of all creation is your father. The God of all creation really, really wants your love. The God of all creation wants you to come uh, to him with your needs, right? I was floored this week. I was floored this week in prayer with this gospel uh, just the, the, the idea that Jesus reveals to us that, uh, that God is our Father, right? When the disciples teach him how to pray, what are the first words out of, out of Jesus' mouth, right? And, and first of all, he teaches us to pray very simply. And elsewhere in the gospel, he tells us, don't, you know, don't think that by multiplying your words or by flowery speech, you're more pleasing to God. He teaches us to pray very simply and to address him as Father and to ask him for what we need. And towards the end of the gospel, he gives us this, I think, this wonderful image of the father who knows how to give good gifts to his children, right? What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? And then he drives the, the dagger home, right? Because this is an image we can all very much relate to, right? Uh, many of you are parents and you know what it is to love your children. You know what it is to really want the best things for your kids. You know what it is to be willing to suffer and, and lay down your life for your child's good. And then Jesus says, if you who are wicked know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if this is true, brothers and sisters, and if we believe it, why are we so hesitant to come to the Lord with just everything we need? What is it in us that makes us want to try to like stand up on our own two feet somehow? What is it that makes us hesitant or afraid or negligent about going to the Lord and asking him for what we need? Uh, I, 
the, the image came to me this week of like how funny it would be if your six-year-old walked in and said, you know what, I'm tired of taking handouts, Dad. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to look for one that's got good health benefits. You know, after I get my feet under me, I'll start contributing my 401k. Thank you for everything you've given me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go it alone from now on. Uh, you would laugh and tell your friends that story for the rest of your life, right? Because it's a six-year-old. It's your job to take care of him. And the truth is, six-year-olds have this wonderful trust in their father. They have this wonderful trust. It, it, it doesn't occur to six-year-olds to ask the question, have I merited my father's love? Have I earned what it is that I need from him? Uh, I think in most cases, unless it's a very dysfunctional home, it doesn't occur to the six-year-old to wonder whether his father is going to take care of him or to wonder whether his father really knows best. And this sort of absolute childlike trust and placing uh, this, this childlike placing of ourselves in the Father's hand is really what Jesus prescribes to us today. I don't, I don't want us to, to even think about what gifts we're asking. Right? Let's think about the giver. Let's think about the giver of gifts. Right? Uh, let's flesh out this image that Jesus himself gives us of God as a Father. Uh, we don't, in a sense, even need to worry about what we're bringing to the Lord in prayer, what it is we're asking him for. I know sometimes I'm wondering, uh, am I really praying for the things I should be praying for? Once again, though, if you look at your experience, well, most of, I think, you know, children, this doesn't really apply to you, but adults who have children, uh, you look at your own experience with parents and you know, you are always going to give your children good things. And sometimes they're going to ask you for things that aren't good for them, and you're going to say no. And it doesn't mean you don't love them, right? Uh, it just means that you know that the best thing for them is to not give them what they're asking for, right? And in that sense, I think we could say that there really are no unanswered prayers. It's just sometimes the answer is no. But Jesus is not only, by using this image, he's not only telling us we can go in confidence to the Father uh, and ask him for what we need and place ourselves in his hands, but he also shows us through this image what kind of trust we should have in our Father to take care of uh, our needs, to answer our prayers in the way that he sees fit because he really loves us and he really does know what's best for us. When I was growing up and when I was you know, in, in, in seminary, I, there was a, a phrase that I got to really like. Uh, I heard it and I would repeat it. I'd say to others, I'd say to myself. And that, that prayer was, uh, or that, that phrase was, you've got to be careful what you pray for because God just might answer your prayers, right? And I remember, I remember uh, my friends and I, we were in college and we had this, this sort of youthful zeal for the faith. And we used to say, you know, uh, if you ask the Lord to make you holy, you should be careful. It's a dangerous prayer, right? Because if you ask the Lord to make you holy, he just might do it. Or the best example that I, uh, that I could think of this is the prayer of the, lit- uh, I don't know if you've prayed to the litany of humility. I know some of you have. The litany of humility is no joke. <laughs> right? It's one thing to say in the abstract, like, yeah, Lord, I'd, I'd like to be humble. But when you sit there and start praying the litany of humility and you say, oh, grant that like others be remembered and I be forgotten. You know, grant that nobody would consult me or care about my opinion, you know, all these things. Do I really want that? And f- for so many years, and actually, to be honest, uh, right now, uh, I sometimes am afraid to pray the litany of humility because, like, what if he answers it? Saint, uh, I think it's Saint Teresa of Avila, she says that humiliation is the practice for humility, right? When we're prideful, generally speaking, the normal route that we take to grow in virtue is things humiliate us, and if we accept that humiliation, then we can grow in virtue and become more humble. 
Um, C.S. Lewis has a wonderful image in one of his books. I think it might be The Great Divorce. He says, uh, humility is like a hot beverage. If you drink it to the dregs, it's very nourishing. But if you do anything else with it, it'll only burn you. Right? Uh, so sometimes we, we might want to ask the Lord for humility, but we're a little bit afraid that he's going to take us up on our offer. Right? Uh, this, this past week, brothers and sisters, I... I felt like about 17 times I just was utterly humiliated. <laughs> it was just a situation where I kept putting my foot in my mouth, saying stupid things. Uh, and then I'm confronted in that moment with, I can, either, I can either trust my father and see everything as gift and say thank you for these opportunities to grow in humility, in which case those humiliations are going to be very nourishing and are going to help me grow in sanctity. Or... I can cling to myself and say, ah, this is painful and this is embarrassing and I'm going to run from this. I'm going to be angry and upset about, my, about these embarrassments. And then that very same thing that could have been uh, for my sanctity becomes actually an occasion for simply deepened pride, but, you know, albeit wounded pride. And so instead of being something that helps me grow, it just is very painful. And so... When we come to the Father, knowing of his love for us, knowing of his care for us, we should come with the confidence that he is going to give us everything that we need if we are willing to accept it from him. I, I, I sometimes read the lives of the saints, and they really do have that, that spirit of gratitude, and they say crazy things. Like, you know, when some affliction befalls them, they say, thank you, Father, for this opportunity to suffer. And uh, at first glance, it seems like they're crazy, right? But they have a profound trust, a trust that I can only aspire to, a trust that they, they have placed themselves in the Father's hands, and they know, they know with absolute certainty that the Father is not going to let them down, that he's not going to abandon them. And so then they're able to see, in a sense, everything that comes their way as an answer to prayer, because they trust their Father. And they know that even the bad things that come are the good things that are withheld from them, those things are either sent directly by the Father or allowed by him for our edification. And there's, there's power, brothers and sisters, in what we believe. There's power in faith, right? Because sometimes just knowing can change our whole outlook on life. If you are struggling with something right now and you're, you're hurting, you're afraid, whatever it is, I think just knowing and having the confidence of a beloved son and daughter of the Lord of the universe, knowing that he is right there with you, right in your suffering, right in your fear, right in whatever it is you're struggling through, that he hasn't forgotten you, and he's not unable to fix whatever needs fixing. I think sometimes just that faith allows us to persevere through those difficult times and to say, I know my father loves me, and he's going to give me everything uh, that is good for me and everything that is good for my salvation. And so, uh, simply, brothers and sisters, what the gospel calls us today uh, to do is to become more childlike. Right? If, there, if there's one place that the analogy with human fatherhood really breaks down is that in human fatherhood, we're trying to raise the children up to be able to become self-sufficient someday and survive in the world on their own. That is absolutely not true of the spiritual life. The saints are more dependent on the Father, not less. And maturity in the spiritual life means learning more and more to abandon ourselves completely to the Father and trusting, himself, trusting ourselves completely to his providential love for us.